reading first from the book of John. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. The doors were shut, but Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not be faithless, but believing. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And the second reading from Genesis about Jacob. The same night, he arose and took his two wives, his two maids, and his 11 children, and crossed the ford, uh, the Japok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise, everything that he had. And Jacob was left alone. A man wrestled with him. A man saw that, that he did not prevail against Jacob, and he touched the hollow of his thigh, and Jacob's thigh was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Your name shall no more be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Tell me, I pray your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God's face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed in Peniel, limping because of the fire. Amen. If you missed Sunday school this morning, you missed what I would consider almost an X-rated lesson. Uh, and if you are interested, you can go home and read Psalm 38, uh, not Psalm Genesis 38, uh, when you go home and, and see what fun we had in Sunday school this morning, talking about Tamar, Jesus' great, 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 great grandma. And the sermon this morning is, uh, I would say, R-rated because it starts out with two wives, two mistresses, and 11 children. I've heard grace defined as going to the plate to bat, striking out, but the catcher drops the ball and somehow you end up safe on first base. You don't deserve it, but you're there. 
So we continue this morning with Jacob's story. And if God can bring uh, redemption out of Jacob's life, guess what? There's hope for all of us. The Lord instructs Jacob to go back to the land of his family. Remember, he left in not too good standing with brother Esau. Fooled his father Isaac. He's been running for 20 years. Going home means he's going to have to deal with his past. That's what going home means. You've got to deal with your past because people there know you. They know you. When you go back, you always have to deal with your past. But Jacob heads that way. Our story begins the night before he is to meet Esau. He sends everyone else, including all of his stuff, across the river and stays behind. While alone, someone comes and wrestles with him until daybreak. Jacob has to deal with difficult issues here, things perhaps he would just as soon have avoided. You see, the presence of God complicates matters. If we're serious about our faith commitment, we begin to ask difficult questions and face difficult issues. What would God have me do here other than merely showing up? How's the gospel influence the way that I use my resources? The resources, by the way, that have come to me as gift. What difference does Christ make, does Christ's love make in a particular situation that I find myself? What does my faith have to do with how I respond to the issues of the day? Lots of questions, like Jacob. On our way home, we've got to reckon with God. On the way home, Jesus, or, or Jacob has to deal with God, and we know Jacob's story, don't we? He's used to winning. He's manipulated his brother Esau. He's fooled his father. He's stolen Uncle Laban pretty much blind, worn out his welcome there, and so he's on the move again. He's bested many an opponent, his father, his brother, his uncle, by his wit, by his shrewdness, by his ability to manipulate. But this adversary on this night is not so easily bested, is it? Jacob gets the blessing from his father, he gets the birthright from his brother, and he picks his uncle's pocket clean for 20 years, but this one isn't so easy. Finally, the stranger strikes him on his hip socket, dislocating it, but Jacob won't let go, and I get the sense that the grip wasn't a grip of violence as much as it was a grip of need, the grip of a drowning man. Finally, the blessing comes, but at a price. Jacob comes out with a limp. Encounters with the living God never leave us unscathed. In her book, Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, Annie Dillard writes these words. It's madness to wear ladies' straw hats and velvet hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers, ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to the pews. <laughs> 
encounters with the living God never leave us unscathed. We heard the gospel text this morning. What in the world did that have to do with Jacob? Thomas, Thomas, Jesus' disciple, not there on Easter evening when Jesus first appears to the disciples. He says, unless I see the marks of the nail in your hands and put my finger, put my hand in your side, I won't believe. Thomas wants proof, tangible proof. He asks for evidence that this is really Jesus, that Jesus, in fact, has risen. What does Jesus show him? Scars on his hands and on his side. Even the risen Christ doesn't come to new life without scars, wounds, the marks of his struggle. Those wounds become the identifying mark of God's goodness and love. The wounds, our wounds, and the way they're healed or not healed can become a source of healing and hope for others. Yes, God's gift of grace and blessing, those gifts are costly. Before giving us life, God demands our lives. One of my favorite novelists, Pulitzer Prize-winning Western novelist, died in a car wreck at 84. It's a great way to go, isn't it? His wife was driving. I don't think it was intentional. <laughs> it, it was it, Wallace Stegner, won the Pulitzer Prize for Angle of Repose. But this particular book is Crossing to Safety, one of my favorite books. It's the remarkable story of two couples who become friends early in their married life. They're both in academia. One is a quite wealthy uh, couple and the other not so much. More modest means, but they carry out a lifelong friendship. The wife of the one with modest means, her name is Sally. Early in their marriage, she has polio. And she has some leftover disabilities, challenges because of polio. She's able to walk, but only with heavy braces and crutches. The couple loves to travel together. They're on a trip to Italy. And they have the opportunity to see Pier Dea Francesca's paintings. There's been a lot of lightheartedness between them until they see, they see Piero's risen Christ. And seeing that painting knocks the wind out of them. Here's Stegner's words. That gloomy, stricken face of Piero's Christ, risen Christ, permitted no forgetful high spirits. It was not the face of a God reclaiming his suspended immortality, but the face of a man who until a moment ago had been thoroughly and horribly dead and still had the smell of death in his clothes and the terror of death in his mind. 
the couple commented, but Sally, the one with braces and crutches, stood a long while in front of the painting. Here's Stegner's words again, talking about Sally. She studied it soberly, with something like recognition or acknowledgement in her eyes, as if those who have been dead understand things that will never be understood by those who have only lived. Jacob understood that and ends up with a new name, a new identity, yes, even a new life full of grace. He understands Stegner's words that those who have been dead Understand things that will never be understood by those who have only lived. That's the story of the risen Christ and the story that can be ours this day. If in the midst of our struggle, we give God all that we are, like, and then like Sally and Jacob, we can limp towards God. With a new sense of who and whose we are. Amen.